0: It's great to see you here today. I'm Pastor Brian. Thank you to the worship team. Would you thank the worship team? That makes it less awkward as they try to get off the stage if we do that. Hey, I want to say also that we have, um, we have a, we have, this weekend we had a special event, and it was that our kids went away to Summerfest. Our students went away to Summerfest. It's special if you have a student, because they got out of the house for a couple of days. But it's special for them because it's just an awesome time to, to meet, with, meet with God, meet with each other, connect. Uh, I know our son, AJ, this is his last year doing it. He's 18, he's a, he graduated, and uh, so this was his last Summerfest, and he was really excited to be there. And so, but we, they're heading back. It was, a, it was a fun weekend, I'm sure, but they're heading back. I just thought we would take a minute and pray for them as they travel back um, so that they would get back here safely. So would you do that with me real quick? Could we pray together? God, I pray that, that you would give uh, just your traveling mercies to our students, our junior hires and high schoolers who, who just spent some time with each other and with you, and, and we trust that it was a powerful time um, worshiping together, having fun together, listening to your word together, um, staying up late in their cabins, all that, all that fun stuff. God, more than anything, I pray that it would have left uh, just an indelible mark on their lives, and God, that they would come home wanting to pursue you even more. And we pray that you'd give them travel mercies as they drive, protect them, get, keep the drivers alert. on uh, on low sleep, and we just pray, God, that they would, as they come back into our homes, God, that we would, as families, that we would pursue God together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, also, are you excited about the anniversary service, by the way? Yeah. You especially should be excited because it's at Weber State, where this is the closest campus to Weber State, so all the other campuses have a little bit more traveling time than you do. And also, just in case you were wondering, this is a great opportunity to invite someone to come to church. Here's who you can invite. Friends who, who are unchurched, unaffiliated, they don't go to church at all, just friends and neighbors, just be invitational. Grab, grab some of these cards. These cards that we printed out aren't just for you. Grab a stack of them and hand them out to your neighbors or to your friends. It's, again, especially this campus should be invitational. We hope all the campuses are. But especially this campus, maybe you've seen the billboards that we have along I-15. We're getting the word out. We would love, uh, we're, we're praying that there are, there are many people who come for the very first time to Alpine Church at the Event Center. And I know that that's not representative of our church, because that, that's not really what, we're not a mega church, but there'll be a thousand plus people there. And it'll be fun for us, but it'll also be just, you know, one of, just so you know, our goal and our focus is going to be to invite people to come back to a campus near them the next week. So we're, as a pastoral staff, we're using it as an opportunity to really invite people to come. Free meals, but just remember, if you did not pick up a meal ticket last week, and again, those meal tickets, you don't have to hold on to. It's just a way for us to count because we have to pay for the food ahead of time. And we want to be good stewards of our money since we're giving food away, it's still expensive, it's worth it to us, but we want to make sure we have a decent head count. So if you didn't grab a meal ticket last week, grab one today, and again, grab one, it's all about a head count, so grab one for as many people as you think you're going to get to come with you, including your kids, your spouse, whatever, Um, so make sure you do that on the way out. Bill and the ushers will have meal tickets, they'll hand them out to you. And so we want to get a good head head count. We're excited about it, so grab meal tickets and also grab a bunch of these cards and be invitational over this next month. All right. Along with this, today we're starting a brand new series called Core Values It's gonna be five weeks. This series is gonna end on the 22nd. It's gonna end, we're gonna do the last installment of this series at the D Event Center. And what we wanna do for the next five weeks is share with you our core values as a church. And some of you might be saying, we have core values as a church? And so yeah, we do. We've been working through this as a pastoral team over the last six months in preparation to share these core values with you guys and so what we're doing in this series is each week, we're gonna share one of our core values. Now, a core value, if, you, if you're not familiar with that term, a core value is a, another way to think about it is a corporate value, a value that we have as, a, as, a, as an organization. So maybe at your workplace, you have core values in the workplace. Well, here at Alpine Church, we also have core values. So these are our staff core values, but they also extend to our leaders, to our members, to people that call Alpine Church home. So if you call Alpine Church home, you're gonna be in a little bit of a training series for the next five weeks. If you're considering calling Alpine Church home, this is a great series, because you're gonna see what we, what, what, what we care about. You're gonna see how we do what we do. This is, these are these values that are underneath everything that we do as a church. Now here's what we do as a church, Everything we do in ministry is to advance our mission, which is to help people to pursue God. So this is our mission. Our mission is to help people to trust Jesus for salvation. If you've ever seen a baptism, it's because that person trusted Jesus for salvation. That's, a, that is a, that's been the mission of the church for 2,000 years. The early church baptized new believers when they came to faith, and so do we. And so we do baptisms. Um, because we're trying to help people pursue God, and that's part of the journey. So we want to help people trust Jesus, honor God, and make disciples. This is what we're, if you, if you think of Alpine Church as a factory, putting out widgets, this is the widget we're putting out. We're putting, we're, we want to produce, and this means in, my, in myself, in my wife, in, in our kids, in, in everyone who, who calls Alpine Church home, we want to produce what we call full circle followers of Jesus. We want to help you trust Jesus, we want to help you honor God, and, and actually we want to help you make disciples because we believe that's what Jesus has called us to produce. Now that's our mission. So the question is, how do we do this? How do we do what we do? This is what we do, we help people pursue God. How do we do this? What are the, what are the values that sort, of, that sort of drive our mission as a church, as a staff and as a church, what are the values? We have five of them. And here's the first one, you ready? Did, are you excited now, anyone excited? You, like, I can't wait to see what our core values are. I can just feel it in here, there's such excitement. You can't wait, here it is, core value number one. We look to God, and his word in all we do. That's core value number one, As we prayed about it and talked about it as a staff. We said, what is the first value that really drives what, how we do what we do? And this has been for 20 years. Tracy and I planted our church in our backyard over 20 years ago. So this was, a, this was something, right around now, it was in the summertime, we started having some preliminary meetings. I see a couple people who were there. Dean and Judy Hoffman were there in our backyard 20 years ago, and we were, we were coming together and talking about, we wanna have a church, I kid you not, we said we wanna have a church that's multi-site. 20 years ago, that was not a thing. Utah had never seen a a multi-site church, aside from the Mormon church, which is a multi-site church if you think about it. But there was no evangelical Christian church that was a multi-site church and we felt compelled by God to plant a church that wasn't just one megachurch in one location. Even though Riverdale was our first location, we really believed that we would have more locations. That's why we only bought five acres. Five acres isn't enough for a church of over 2,000 people. But we knew that we would be in multiple locations. And so when we met in that backyard 20 years ago, we talked about these kinds of things. And I'll, I'll tell you this, Dean and I met, um, he, Dean who is now our executive pastor at this church, Dean and I met even before the summer before those meetings in the summer and we 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 envisioned together a church where we would have to rent this is true we would have to rent the D event center to gather everyone and I love that 20 years later we're doing it we're running the D. the reason we're running the D event center is cuz with eight campuses, we wouldn't fit anywhere else. And that's, that's God's vision for us. That was, that was what God had placed on our hearts over 20 years ago. And, and the, one of the values at the very heart of that, from the very beginning, is that we look to God and his word in all we do. We want to let the Bible guide our lives every day, not just on Sunday. We don't want to be a people, and I, and I hope that you'll internalize these values as we go through this over these next five weeks. We don't want to be a people who, come, who comes together on Sunday morning to listen to someone open the Bible and read or preach to us for 30 minutes on Sunday morning, and that's the only Bible we ever get. We don't want to be those kinds of followers. We want you, moms and dads and young people, young people especially, I want, I want, I want to be a church where junior hires and high schoolers read their Bible, and dig into God's word every day of the week, not just on Sunday. And so we wanna challenge you to look to God and his word in all that you do, because that's what we do as a church. So there's a few things I wanna unpack for you in this first core value, and here's the first thing. This is what we call a biblical worldview. I don't know if you've ever heard that term before, but I want you to be familiar with it. We hold a biblical worldview. That means that we elevate God's truth above our own opinions or the trends of our culture. And we recognize, and I I don't think I realized this 20 years ago, but today I stand here and I recognize this more than ever, that this is going to make us more radical with each new generation. I'm not happy to say that. I'm not proud to say that. I just recognize that's the trend. Our culture is going in this direction and it is completely opposite of what God's word tells us. And here's what is crazy to me is we're still, I think statistically, we're still technically a Christian nation. But man, it sure doesn't look like it when I turn on Netflix and I see what's popular. And sometimes I'm like, Lord, please don't let Alpiners be watching this stuff. You know what I'm saying? When Tracy and I are looking for something to watch, where we're, it's just sad, it's harder and harder and harder to find something wholesome, find something good to watch. Because I want you to hear this. The culture, and Satan is a master. He's a master at this. Is He is just gonna slowly boil the frog. You know, if you wanna boil a frog, here's how you do it. You, you don't just put it into a, a boiling pot of water. You put it into a, a lukewarm pot of water and you slowly turn up the heat and over time you can just boil that frog and it'll have no idea. And I think that's what Satan's doing to us. He's boiling the frog. Just, I, I look at it, just even in these last 20 years, you know, this, these last 20 years we've grown with social media. Alpine Church was, was planted right around the time, the internet, and, and then a few years later social media started becoming popular, and I think this is just Satan's playground. He is loving it. He loves putting influencers out there. And young people, it's almost like the more followers somebody has, then the more credibility they have. That is so dumb. Can I get an amen to that? That is so dumb. Let's have some discernment. Let's let's allow God's word, let's look to God's word in all we do. Let's have a biblical worldview, not the other thing that you can have as a secular worldview, a worldview that just follows the opinions of the influencers of our age. It follows whatever whatever the the, uh, media giants are trying to push and put in front of us. Instead of that, we need to have the courage to elevate God's word, God's truth above the op- our own opinions or the trends of our culture. Now, I've, I've been talking about the trends of our culture, but let's, let's not forget that the Bible says that when, when, we, when we sin, it's because we're being drawn away by our own desires. So the reason that this other stuff works, the reason that these influencers have so much influence, the reason, the reason that, net, that some of the junk on Netflix is so popular is because it's what your flesh wants. It's, what, it's appealing to your flesh, like we learned about a couple weeks ago in our Galatians series where, where Paul says in Galatians 5 that the, the flesh is battling the spirit, that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the spirit in you, but the flesh, your fleshly desires, your natural desires are, are still pulling you in this other direction. It's pulling you into the direction that everything else is trying to pull you in in our culture today, and it's unlike anything the world has ever seen. It's unlike anything humanity has ever seen. It really is. If we could zoom out and look at it, man, it's crazy how much influence (laughs) Satan has in our culture today. And that's why this is core value number one, is we want to be a people of the book. We wanna be people of God's word. We wanna have this biblical worldview. We wanna elevate God's truth above the world. Here's what scripture says about this. All scripture, Paul's writing this to Timothy. It's a second letter to Timothy. Timothy was his protege. Timothy was, a, was, a, was it like, almost like, his, uh, like a, a pastor of a bunch of churches. He was, Timothy was an influential young man, and Paul wrote these two letters to Timothy to try to help, help him to understand what values he needs to have. So this is one of the core values that Paul gave to Timothy. And he said this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses Scripture to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I want to actually read a little bit more from this. As I was prepping for the message, I, I was reading over this passage in 2 Timothy 3, and a little bit before this, listen to what Paul says to Timothy. He says, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. He said that 2,000 years ago, so we recognize this is gonna be more radical with each new generation if the first generation of Christians suffered persecution for, for believing this, that all scripture's inspired by God, because here's what's ha- what happens, is we say, but God's word says this, and our culture says, how old fashioned is that? We were just watching a show that we, that we enjoy, and they were making evangelical Christians look like total morons for holding biblical values. And I'm watching that saying, Lord, please give discernment to all the Christians who watch this, not to fall for this and to say, yeah, why do I, why do I trust this? Come on, this is so passe. This stuff isn't really valuable anymore. But no, we believe that all scripture, all, this whole thing, all 66 books of the Bible is inspired by God, it's God breathed, and it's useful, it's useful. That means it's like a tool for us. It's a tool to help us to do what? To to teach us what's true. So we need to keep going back to this. That's why we always preach from the word every single week. You'll never come to church and hear a sermon about our opinions or our stories. You're always gonna hear God's God's word at the center of every message we preach here. And So it teaches us what's true. It makes us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. And it teaches, it doesn't just say you're wrong and then, and then just leave us wrong. It tells us where we're wrong and then, it, and then it redirects us onto the right path. That's what scripture does for us. And so, so back to what Paul said to Timothy, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So the more we try to live a godly life, the more persecuted, the more of a pariah we're gonna become. But look at what it says in verse 13. How prescient is this? This is like a prophecy in 2 Timothy chapter three. Right before he says this, Paul says this to Timothy, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. Evil people and imposters will flourish. You look at the most popular people out there on social media. And I look at, sometimes, sometimes I look at that and I'm say, why does this have two billion views? And then this, this video over here is so powerful and so truthful and it's got 12 views. It's because evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. That's why we need to stand on God's word. Paul said, but you, Timothy, must remain faithful to the things that you've been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. And he says this, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. I love that that Paul says, you were taught the Scriptures from childhood. Parents, teach your kids a biblical worldview. Teach them to read the word for themselves. I hope this becomes a family value of yours, not just a value of your church. We've tried to do this with our kids and we're so grateful that our kids both read the word on their own. They have their own pursuit of God. They read the Bible for themselves and we love that. Kids do that. And that means this. We submit to the Bible as the authoritative voice in our everyday lives. We recognize that true believers must come to God on his terms, not their own. Man, we hate this word, submit. This is like the S word. This is a bad word in our culture. Right? Now normally we see this word when we're talking about marriage because my dad's favorite Bible verse is, wives, submit to your husbands. And he makes that clear as often as he can. Now if you know my dad, he's funny, so he's joking around a little bit. But we hate that word, submit. That's why I wanted to use that word. We do submit to the Bible as authoritative. The Bible's authoritative in our lives. The Bible's authoritative in my marriage. That's why when Tracy and I were first dating, and I was, I grew up in a church that was a little legalistic around drinking, that they said that you shouldn't ever drink because drinking's a sin, the Bible doesn't say that, but that's what I was kind of taught, it was insinuated, you know, I was taught that when Jesus turned water into grape juice, that (laughs) But it wasn't, it was actually wine. But see, that's what I grew up kind of learning. Now my church, my church was a great church, but I think in this area they were just a little, a little bit legalistic, right? And When I first met Tracy and she, she called me out on this, she said, where do you find that in the Bible? And I couldn't find it in the Bible. It was in my tradition. It was in my background. But it wasn't in the Bible. Now, I want you, everybody to know, hold on, don't everybody go out and get drunk now. The Bible says do not be drunk, but it doesn't say don't have a drink. In fact, Paul taught Timothy to drink a little bit of wine because of his frequent illnesses. And so for me, I had to, re- this was an example in my life that, that, that I had to submit to the Bible as authoritative in my life, not to the tradition of the church that I grew up in, but to the Bible. The Bible was authoritative in my life and that was a humbling example of that in my life. That was the one and only time my wife was right in our marriage. <laughs> she has submitted to me every other time, but in that one, no, I'm just joking as you can see. But, but that's true in our lives, that we submit to the Bible as authoritative in our lives. And that's why, again, when we're prepping sermons and as a, as a leadership team, and when we're dealing with issues in the church, because the church is filled with conflict because the church is filled with people. And so as we're dealing with conflict in the church, we're just always, and as a leadership team, I wish you could see how we have our, our meetings. We're always going back to God's word, but what does God's word say? But God, what does God's word say? We're always challenging one another. When, when someone comes and says, I wanna get married to this person, and we and, and they want us to do the wedding. We have to say, well, what does God's word say? Does God's word affirm that union? Because if it doesn't, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to perform the ceremony. And sadly, we've met, all of us pastors have had to say to couples, no. I, years ago, I had a couple come up to me say, we're in love and we want to get married. It was our first time here at the church. They were a young couple, and they met with. They said, hey, would you meet with? Would you sit down and talk with us? And they sat down and started sharing their story. They we want to. We love each other. We want to get married. And I said, well, tell me your story. And they had just both just got separated from their husband, from their spouses that they'd been married to just a couple years, for a couple of years. They were a young couple. And they're like, but, we're, but, we, but we love each other. We're in love with each other. And we made a mistake when we married the other person. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but God's, God's word is really clear on this. This one is really clear cut. I will not do this wedding. You need to repent and go back to your spouses. That's what God wants for you. Do you know where I get that from? I get that from God's word. It's all over the place in God's word. We submit to God's word as authoritative. Did I wanna say that to them? Did I want to enter into conflict with this young couple that I just met? No way. They're not carrying my picture around in their wallet anymore now because of that conversation. I hate that. I want people to like me. But you know what I want more than that? I wanna to submit to God's word because God's word is the authority in my life. And so there's so many examples of this in our church, but we really do, we have to, as true believers, we have to come to God on his terms, not on our terms. He's God, we're not. So we say, God, I submit to you. What do you say about this? And I wanna to submit to that. And, one, and it's, uh, scripture says this about, here's the reason we do this in 2 Peter 1. It says, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative, no. Those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. We believe that about God's word. So we believe that, that this isn't just like another book. This isn't like Harry Potter. Or this isn't even just like you know Purpose Driven Life. This is God's word. This is so different than any other book you could pick up. And it's inspired by God. And so that because of that, it has the ultimate authority in our lives. As a church, As a pastoral team, as a governing board, we've just seated a brand new governing board for our church. We're meeting tonight for the first time. The governing board submits to God's word, submits to authority. And husbands and wives, dads and moms, we challenge you to make God's word authoritative in your family. And young people, we challenge you to do the same thing. One last thing I wanna say about this. We commit to a personal pursuit of God through his word, not just an intellectual pursuit. And we recognize that even the Bible can become an idol if not handled correctly. A couple of our pastors, your pastor at this campus, Eric, is one of them that wanted to share on this. So watch this little, little two-minute video clip on this point.
1: I think sometimes in, in the circles of Christianity, people kind of have these competitions or they... They judge each other based off of what each other knows uh, about the Bible. And so there's definitely a culture inside Christianity where uh, people pursue knowledge over an actual relationship with Jesus. And I've been tempted by this in my own life. You know, as I wanted to become a pastor or a preacher or even a small group leader, I wanted to wow people, right? I wanted to, people to think that I was so smart and knowledgeable. Um, and so sometimes I would go and read the Bible kind of with the wrong motives. As I was studying, I would be like, hey, this is going to be something they've never heard. And a little nugget that's going to catch their eye. And they're going to think oh, so so well of me. Um, but in, in reality, God didn't give us his word so that we could glorify ourselves. His word is to glorify him right and so that we could seek and pursue a relationship with the true god of of the universe and so those words aren't meant to uh, lift us up but to lift him up
2: yeah it is important that the primary reason we're in god's word is not to be in the word itself i mean that's important the primary reason we're in god's word is because we're pursuing a relationship with him you know I don't know if you know this, but there are people who literally have PhDs in biblical studies that don't have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. They've spent years studying the Bible, the the original text. They know the Hebrew, they know the Greek, and they've missed the truth that they need a savior. That God loves them, that God created them for a purpose, but that they're broken. That they can't have a relationship with God on their own because of sin. But God remedied that by sending Jesus Christ to live the perfect life that we could and to go to the cross for them, and they've missed it. You know, I I think about the series we just did in Galatians where where Paul was reading these passages in Genesis about the promise uh, and about how it's going to be for all people, and for years and years Paul had read those passages and he missed it. He never saw the truth in it. It wasn't until he was indwelled by the Holy Spirit that he had that encounter with the risen Jesus that he really could see the truth in Scripture. And so my encouragement to you guys as you're reading God's Word is that you're not just reading it for information. Information is good, but that you're reading it because you want to draw closer to God, because you want to pursue Him, because you want to know Him more.
0: So here's the thing that happens with churches, and it's crazy, it happens... To almost 100% of churches, and may it not happen to our church. What happens is they have a value like this that we want to, we 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 trust God's word. But what they start to do is they start to elevate God's word, in and in and then what happens is something called bibliolatry, and that means the Bible becomes an idol. And so they're they're elevating scripture, whatever their scripture is. This can happen if in any church or religion, but even in Christian churches that have the Bible, the inspired word of God, even the inspired word of God can become an idol in the lives of of Christians over time. It almost never happens right away in the first 10 or 20 years. But it happens over time if people take their eye off the ball and they make it more about the word of God than about the God of the word. You're pursuing the word rather than pursuing God behind the word, and it becomes an intellectual pursuit, it becomes this thing where who's got the most information, who's got the most knowledge, who's the smartest. In fact, 500 years ago, when the Protestant Reformation started, one of the questions the reformers asked is, should we even have seminaries? Because they knew this could happen. That if we had seminaries, and then we start to get into bibliolatry and, and we start to have this intellectual pursuit instead of a pursuit that the fishermen and tax collectors could accomplish. There's a reason Jesus called the regular guys to follow him instead of the Pharisees, Because the Pharisees, as Jesus says here in, Mark, in John chapter five, the Pharisees search the scriptures. Again, Jesus is saying this to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to, to me to receive this life. May that not be true of our church. May that not be true. Future pastors of Alpine Church, if you're listening to this, may you check your heart and not just pursue the Bible. You have to pursue the God of the Bible. This isn't some intellectual pursuit. This is a a pursuit of a living God and his word is living and active. But it's so easy to turn it into something that was never intended to be. The scriptures that Jesus is talking about are the Old Testament. So that's what we have. But it's interesting that I think about The early church, and I think, could this have been one of their values in the early church, we look to God and his word and all that we do, and I'm not actually totally sure that this could be, because they didn't even have the New Testament in writing. They didn't have have access to the Bible like we have access, access to the Bible. They were so dependent on the Holy Spirit in their lives, and may we remain dependent on the Holy Spirit. May we be pursuers of the God of the Bible not just pursuers of the information that the Bible contains. And I think when we do that, then I think this church will continue to help more and more people pursue God. So let's commit to that value together as a church. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your word. God, we just, it's such a treasure. Your word is a treasure. We're so grateful that you you inspired every single, every single jot, every single character in this in this holy book. And God, we trust that it really is from you. And may we be people of the book. May we be people who elevate your word and your truth above our opinions and above the trends of our culture. God, may we always have the courage to do that. Come what may, whatever that means for us, whatever that means for our children or for our grandchildren as this culture continues to move away from a biblical standard, God, may we be people, may we be a a light on a, a, a city on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden. And God, I pray that as, as the the people, Lord, that you have called, God, that they would see in this community, in Alpine Church, that they would see people who are just committed to your age-old truth. And then, God, we just trust you to bring in the harvest. We trust you to bring in the people who are so hungry for truth because we know they're out there. Give us the courage to be people of the word. Help us to look to you, God, and to your word in everything we do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.